Welcome to Tech Talk. Bye. Welcome to CDT's Tech Talk, where we dish on tech and internet policy while also explaining what these policies mean to our daily lives. I'm Jamal Magby, and it's time to talk tech. With the 2020 election season in full swing, we wanted to check in with our senior technologist for elections and democracy, Will Adler, for an update on what's going on and how we're working to keep our election free and fair in 2020. Will, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. First off, before we get started, welcome to CDT. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to be here. Now tell our listeners a little bit about where you're coming from and who you are. Yeah, so uh, weirdly enough, my background is in neuroscience. So I was doing my neuroscience PhD, um, uh, which I finished in, in 2017. And then right after that, I decided to make the leap into policy, which is where, uh, where my passions really are. So, um, you know, I've, I've spent a year in the Senate working on technology and privacy issues. I've also worked on election issues like redistricting, public access to elections data, and election security. So I'm really interested in the technology side of voting rights. So that's questions like, how can technology be used to make it easier to vote and to protect elections? But on the flip side of that, it's also, how is technology weaponized to suppress the vote by misinforming people or by making it harder to cast a ballot? And uh, I'm really glad to be at CVT because I think CVT is just the perfect place uh, to be doing that kind of work right now. Jumping into the issues at hand, how is this election season different from other ones in the past? Yeah, I think everybody does know the answer to that because obviously there's one thing that's made this year different than all years in the recent past, which is COVID. Um, COVID has made everything different, and um, you know elections are are are, are no exception to that. Um, the big change with uh, elections this year has been the rise in mail-in or absentee voting. And, and by the way, there's the I'm going to use those two terms interchangeably because um, there's really a semantic distinction. It's just a semantic distinction between mail-in and absentee. Um, so absentee voting, you know, it's nothing new, um, but many states are having to scale up their their absentee systems in a huge way. And this is a, a brand new way to vote for so many people. And so there's a lot of uncertainty that voters have about how to cast their vote, how to sign up for their vote um, when when voting absentee. And um, unfortunately, this kind of kind of situation with a lot of uncertainty, this is a, a fertile environment for misinformation and disinformation. So we're seeing a lot of uh, disinformation campaigns. You know, we're seeing disinformation campaigns about COVID, and we're also seeing about voting. Um, and unfortunately, much of both of that originates with the president, which poses some unique challenges. Um, so yeah, another thing that makes this election different is that we have an incumbent president who's actively spreading disinformation about how to vote and how secure the election is. And that's a very strange dynamic when you look at other recent presidential elections. There's a lot of talk about mail-in voting. Can you explain how vote by mail works? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's it's nothing too fancy. Um, every state has had some form of absentee voting for years. It's been around since 1864, uh, which was the year of Abraham Lincoln's re-election. And at the time, it was intended for uh, to make it easier for soldiers in the Civil War to vote or make it possible for soldiers in the Civil War to vote. Uh, it's remained an important option for military voters, overseas voters, disabled voters, and elderly voters. So, you know, it's really nothing new. But what's new is that um, before this year, and there are still some restrictions about this, there there have been restrictions about 
uh, who could vote for it, who who could vote absentee. Um, in many states, um, uh, you have to have some sort of excuse to vote absentee. You have to be above sixty-five, or you have to be sick. Um, but COVID um, has has changed things, and a lot of states have made a lot more people eligible. Um, and that's something that that some advocates have been pushing for for a long time, right? If people want to vote by mail, why shouldn't that be an option? Um, but you know, mail-in voting—it's it, fairly simple. It uses some of the same systems as in-person voting, such as uh, voter registration databases. You have to be registered to vote. You request your—you know—and and broadly speaking, uh, registered voters request their ballot. Uh, a blank ballot is mailed to them with unique identifying information tying that ballot to a specific voter, um, and the voter fills it out and sends it back, and it's tallied at at some point, either before election day or on election day, depending on the state. So what are some of the security measures different states will be using to help keep their ballots secure? Yeah, so a lot of the security measures for in-person voting apply to mail-in as well. So, you know, think about the security checks that um, that an in-person voter uh, experiences. So, you know, the voter goes up to the table, they announce themselves, maybe they provide some identifying information, uh, a poll worker finds their spot in the poll book, the voter signs that. The voter receives a ballot, um, and then the poll worker marks that that person has voted. So, you know, that does a few things. It ensures that you are who you say you are, and it prevents you from voting more than once. And mail-in voting has analogous mechanisms for each of those. So, um, you know, just like an in-person voter has to has to go to the polling place and identify themselves, um, an absentee voter also has to send in an application, and which you know, with some identifying information about who they are, and says. Um, you know, I'd like to I'd like to have a ballot. So um, so you have blank ballots are mailed to uh, individual voters with unique barcodes that uh, tie a ballot to a voter so that elected officials know if someone has has uh, voted in an election and not allow them to vote multiple times. Um, at various points in the process, voters also have to make sworn statements to say uh, that I am who I say I am. And in some states, you also have signature verification. So um, uh, when the voter signs a statement saying that they are who they say they are, sometimes that signature is actually checked against a signature that the uh, that might be on file for that voter. And if the signature doesn't match, then that ballot might uh, might be thrown out. Or um, in some states, a voter might be notified that there is a problem with their ballot, and they'll have a chance to to correct or cure the deficiency. And all these security measures mean that it's basically impossible to commit voter fraud at the scale you would need to to swing an election. And even voter fraud at the individual level, level is incredibly rare. Five states have been conducting elections almost entirely by mail for years without widespread problems. Oregon has been doing vote by mail the longest. They've been mailing ballots to voters for 20 years, and there have only been two fraud cases out of 50 million cast. Uh, so, so yeah, it's it's basically nothing. So you know, these frequencies of fraud are about five times less likely than the odds of getting struck by lightning in your lifetime, if that gives you a sense. How will differing state election laws generally impact the electoral process? Yeah. So, you know, we have a federalist election system in this country, which means that um, it, it's left up to each individual state to determine the rules for their election, except from, for some some basic minimum standards that, that Congress has set, uh, set out. Uh, so, you know, that means that there's a lot of variance across the states for uh, the rules about absentee voting. And it means that in some states, it's much harder to vote by mail than in others. It, it also means that even for people who are allowed to vote by mail in their state, uh, 
then in some states it's much likelier that their votes won't count because of a minor error they made, such as, um, you know, I mentioned the, the signature matching process earlier before. Um, in some, you know, in some cases they might be comparing the signature on a ballot to a signature that a voter made on an electronic pad at the DMV 15 years ago. So, you know, you can imagine that that creates, um, you know, a, a, a reasonably high likelihood that a signature will be judged not to match, even though the voter did nothing wrong. So, you know, there's and there's also ongoing litigation about all these rules in in lots of different states. Um, in, in lots of these states, the rules about when ballots can be counted or which ballots can be counted, whether voters will have the opportunity to fix a problem in their ballot if there are problems with it. So, um, you know, all all this variance across states, it, it's just a it's a pretty uncertain environment. One one good thing is that I think election officials have been doing a really good job of informing the voters in their jurisdiction about what the rules are. Uh, I think they've been saying for months to people, you know, if you're going to vote absentee, make sure that you, um, you know, request your ballot early, make sure you return it early. And if enough people do that, then, you know, hopefully that will kind of mitigate some of the um, the effects of these, like, say, uncertain deadlines. If you just have, you know, more people who know that they should just get their ballots in now and not wait till the last minute. So what role is social media playing in the election process? Yeah. So, you know, it, obviously social media is how, how people connect and communicate with each other, especially now in the pandemic with uh, in-person social interaction being, uh, you know, such a rare, a rare thing. Um, and, you know, just speaking personally on, on my social media, I see a lot of really great election-related content. I see people who are enthusiastic about the candidates, uh, about the voting process, pictures of people mailing in their ballots people reminding each other of some of the pitfalls to voting uh, by mail, like, you know, make sure that you you sign everything. Um, and, you know, platforms are, are also facilitating the spread of, of accurate, good information across these platforms. So, for instance, Facebook and Instagram have this voting information center for helping people register to vote and get accurate information on how to vote, uh, reminding people to return their ballot and allowing elected election officials to send out alerts to their voters. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, um, misinformation and disinformation also uh, proliferate on these platforms. And, uh, you know, like I said before, misinformation and disinformation, they love an uncertain environment. Um, and, you know, right now we have um, uh, people who are uncertain about what are the absentee voting rules in their state. And that that creates an environment where misinformation about absentee voting can spread. Um, so, you know, about a quarter of Americans think that voter fraud has been a major problem with vote by mail, which it's just not true. And so when people repeat that on social media, it might make people uh, less likely to vote or more likely to distrust the vote. And, and that's a big problem for um, democracy, which depends on trust. And uh, misinformation is also really hard to stop. So each day there are billions of posts on Facebook. There are uh, there are over 3 million posts each day that are reported by AI systems and by users as potentially warranting removal. And even with um, Facebook's thousands of content moderators, that's just an insane amount of content to review. And it's it's very hard to do and, and very time-consuming. Now, let's switch gears a bit and talk about myths and disinformation. Give our listeners who might not know a quick idea of what these are 
and why they're such a big topic these days. Yeah, so this has been this has been a big focus of uh, of our work at CDT and and especially of uh, Emma Alonso at CDT. Um, yeah, so th- there's a few different kinds of misinformation and disinformation, um, and I mean there's a few different kinds of false information. Um, misinformation is false information that is created or shared without an intent to mislead or to cause harm. And so that can include just genuine mistakes um, that people make uh, on, on social media. You know, someone posting a status update that ballots need to be sent in right now or something like that, if that's something that they heard. That, that's a piece of misinformation. Disinformation is inaccurate information that uh, is shared with the intent to mislead and cause harm. So that can be individual posts, coordinated disinformation campaigns, um, and, you know, since we've been talking about mail-in voting, I would also include um, the president's campaign to say that mail-in voting corrupts the election uh, is a disinformation campaign that is intended to sow doubt uh, about the electoral process. And, um, you know, they're a really big problem because these things uh, dominate the media. The, the press is constantly put in a spot of, of having to debunk these things. Uh, they polarize the population over things that are straightforward and and shouldn't even really be matters of debate. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a big issue for, for democracy. What has CDT done to help election officials in this fight? Yeah, so we, um, this summer, we, we collaborated with the Center for Tech and Civic Life to put together a course specifically um, aimed at helping election officials uh, fight misinformation and disinformation. And, uh, you know, this is stuff like, make sure that they um, that election officials have social media accounts, make sure they get those social media accounts verified, make sure that they you know are just are just flooding the zone with good information um, and uh, you know providing updates as needed to their uh, constituents to make sure that there's there's no question about what what the rules and uh, procedures are for elections in a particular jurisdiction. Uh, a second thing that we just did is we released a, a, a short document on voter suppression content. So voter suppression content is uh, a kind of misinformation and disinformation uh, that suppresses the vote. So there's all kinds of misinformation and disinformation, right? Like we're seeing you know, stuff about how masks cause COVID, um, you know, that kind of thing. But voter suppression content is specifically misinformation and disinformation that uh, suppresses the vote. So uh, we released a short document on how to identify voter suppression content and how to counter it. And um, we hope that that is also useful for election officials who are trying to make sure that their elections run as smoothly as possible. So as our election security expert, what are some things you're keeping your eye on this election season? Yeah, so, um, you know, one really important election cybersecurity issue is um, the integrity of voter registration databases. So, you know, these were really put in the spotlight in 2016 when we know that um, the the Russian state hacking uh, agencies were able to, they, they attempted to get into every single state voter registration database. And in some cases, they were able to actually breach the database. Now, we don't think that there's uh, there's there's no evidence that they were able to actually alter the voter registration databases, but that uh, the, those facts really brought the importance of securing voter registration databases to the forefront. So every election official in the country has been put on alert since 2016 that they need to secure these databases. 
And the integrity of these databases has been even more important uh, now that so many more people are voting by mail. It's, it's, it's that much more important that people's addresses be correct, because if a ballot is, say, sent to the wrong address, um, there might not be enough time before the election for a voter to realize it and uh, request that another ballot be sent to their real address. So, um, you know, I think there have been a lot of improvements since 2016 to voter registration database security. Um, but uh, I'm, that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on is whether the changes that people have made have really made those databases secure. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that um, there, there won't be any issues this year related to that. Um, and then, you know, another concern I have is just that the disinformation about voting fraud in general is, is going to lead to in-person voter intimidation. So the president and his campaign have called for people to watch the polls um, in some cases in, in a kind of uh, uh, somewhat threatening manner. Uh, now, poll watching is one way for the public to have oversight over how elections are conducted. And uh, I think most states have laws about how to do proper poll watching. Um, but I'm just concerned that the rhetoric about the election and about fraud has gotten uh, so overheated and so hostile that... Uh, it can be taken to the point where, um, you know, there are these sort of vigilante poll watching operations where people uh, go to the polls to try to uh, intimidate people from casting their vote. And, and that would be just terrible. But, you know, d despite all these concerns, um, I'm really amazed to see how many people are turning out to vote early. There's just, we're seeing just crazy high turnout numbers. You know, I think in Texas, you know, we're two weeks before the election right now. And in Texas, I think the number of people who have turned out to vote early uh, are already at about 40% of the total number of people who voted in 2016 overall. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And there, we're seeing like really high numbers like that across the country. So, um, you know, that just shows that people are really enthusiastic about voting. And if... Um, and if people do that, you know, like if, if so many people are turning out to vote early and so many people are voting by mail, uh, I think that's a that's a really great thing for our democracy. Will, it's been a pleasure having you. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens this November. And I'm really looking forward to coming back here and and sharing what we've learned. To keep up with more of the election security work CDT's policy teams are doing leading up to the election and beyond please visit us at cdt.org or on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at SendDemTech.